We are live with a new up-to-date short intro. Thanks, producer Xander, putting that together. Every other Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, we live stream for 30 minutes on MicroConf on Air. I'm your host, Rob Walling, where I cover topics related to building and growing ambitious SaaS startups that bring us freedom and purpose and allow us to value and maintain healthy relationships. Thank you for the well-wish, producer Xander. Happy 21st anniversary to my wife, Dr. Sherry Walling, who is currently uh, fully vaccinated and out in California, taking a few days of uh, relaxation. So I'm excited about today's guest. We've been doing MicroConf on air for more than a year now. I believe we began in March and at first we were doing daily episodes and it was a distraction from all the madness of COVID. And we started doing three days a week and two days a week and weekly and now we do twice a month. And what I like about that cadence is it's enough that we are able to, to hit on like really important topics we don't have to search and, and seek out basically a, day, a daily feed or daily guest. It's a tremendous amount of work. And I love that like a slower cadence, like a weekly or a twice a month cadence, because it allows us to really dig into some of these meaty topics that otherwise, I don't know, we might not be thinking about. And today's guest is Anders Two Peterson. And we're going to be talking about whether you, or you're learning fast enough. The question is, are you learning fast enough as you're building and growing your startup, especially in the early days? And so Anders is a many time MicroConf attendee. He's a MicroConf attendee speaker. I believe he did an amazing stage talk and microconf Europe a couple years ago with close to 200 talks now. Sometimes forget who who is that. I know I've seen him on stage. I don't remember if it was a but attendee talk or a full talk, but it's really a pleasure to welcome him. It's his first time on microconf on air. And he is the co-founder of melt.co, which is M-A-E-L-T.co, but it's pronounced melt. And it is a link in bio tool. If you have used Instagram where you're only allowed a single link in your bio, there is a tool called Linktree, which is the most famous of them, but you can put a link in there and then it allows you to link out to your, what, your blog and your podcast and your affiliate and your articles and just all the stuff, M-A-E-L-T.co if you're interested. But a big part of this is that Melt is also about being green. It's about planting trees. And so when you subscribe to it for five bucks a month, you also plant five trees every month. And Anders has some pretty cool uh, thoughts around that. So with that, let me welcome Anders to Peterson to the show. Hey, sir, how's it going? Thank you, Rob. Thank Absolutely. you, fine. Pleasure to have, and you are coming to us from, are you in Copenhagen? Copenhagen, Denmark, yes. Excellent. And yeah, it's great to have you on to finally be chatting. So we're going to talk about a few things today about whether you're learning fast enough. And this really was sparked by a tweet thread that you sent out. It was almost two months ago now. And you said, we'll link this up maybe in the Slack channel or the YouTube comments. But you said, for the past few weeks, I realized what the solution is to a comment Heat and Shaw made after following my startup for a year. What he said was, and this is a quote, it is you're not learning fast enough. I ponder that comment ever since trying to figure out how to learn faster. So your last startup was Time Block and it, folks who've been to MicroConf or who have chatted with you that it was about it's scheduling and it's about getting more done and, and productivity and stuff. And you worked on it for a few years, but it, it never achieved the, the success or the level of traction that, that you wanted it to. And so I think to kick us off, as I ask for listener questions, actually, so folks in the audience, if you do have questions for Anders, please do feel free to post them in the chat or in MicroConf on air in Slack and producer Xander will make sure that we ask them. The first question I have is, 
time block that didn't achieve perhaps a level of success that you wanted, what was missing there? Why weren't you learning fast enough? And what ultimately was the result of that? The why I wasn't learning fast enough took me until recently to realize, but, but we spent a thousand hours building a SaaS and we had a methodology. We, I trained a lot of people and ultimately it, no matter how many hours I put into it, it didn't grow. It didn't go viral. It didn't adopt and people looked for a way out of it because it was, it's, it's about transparency and being honest. And, and that's not something that people are searching for, but I am, I'm really all in for radical transparency and radical honesty. And I think it's the only way we can build a good working culture where we can be open, but it didn't get any traction. A lot of people really liked it. A lot of people adopted it, but, but it's something we're missing. And no matter how hard I tried, no matter what I did, it just didn't scale. And it took me forever to realize that people just didn't want to be transparent. It took me years to realize that. Why did it take so long? And is now that what you know about, you know, learning fast enough and getting unstuck and you're actually, you coach other founders and other folks about getting unstuck and this type of, of topic, what would you have done differently to not have taken years to learn that? I would have worked on realizing what was wrong in my assumptions. And I've been to, as you, as you mentioned in your intro, I've been to a, a lot of uh, microconf and they talk about testing things and talking to customers and you can do that. You can even do that while being stuck. You can test stuff. You can talk to customers and our neural net, our brain will filter out all the important information. If it, if it's a good thing and if it's a, makes what you hear align with the story you tell yourself. And, um, yep. and I pretty early on told myself a story that time block was the answer to a lot of problems in my business. And, and I stuck with that story and I was stuck with that story. Got it. It was assumptions that you didn't question. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And that's what, that's what, uh, that's what made me realize the answer to the question is like, you're not, why am I not learning fast enough? And the answer was um, that, that I was stuck in wrong assumptions because basically it's not when you see someone, when you see a, a co-founder who is stuck, who's not learning fast enough, you can't tell them to learn faster because the problem is not in the speed that they are learning. What is the problem? Yeah, the problem is that they have decided on something. And when you decide on something, you can't learn anything new about it. So I know you have a few kids uh, and they probably have a favorite color. You might even have a favorite color. And if you've decided that blue is your favorite color, nothing can change your mind. A favorite color is not, that's not real. That's just a decision you've made. It's not something that's actual. And so uh, is, it, it it, should, I, should I never decide on anything? Like what's the balance there? How, how do you have to decide on some things? So how do you balance that? Yeah, 
you balance that by deciding something today, but realizing that when you wake up tomorrow, that decision might be wrong. And, and that goes especially for growing a startup. So right now on Melt, the way we grow new subscribers is reaching out manually, personally to each and everyone. And that's the right thing to do today. We have an assumption about it. We tested a lot of, a lot of things and this assumption still is holding up. But if we decide that's the only way we can grow, we're ne never gonna grow a lot. So the important thing is to realize that every decision you make on an assumption, the facts that led you to make that decision might be changed tomorrow. You know, gravity don't change. Actually, it changes whether on where you are on the Earth. So even gravity change. Today, it is best for us to do direct messaging to people on Instagram and slowly tell them our story and sign them up. But we know that someday that will not be the best way to grow the business. But if we decide that's the best way to grow the business, business it's very hard to learn something new. So it's to make decisions, but to hold them looser than most people do. Is that essentially what you're yeah. saying? Be open to changing your mind because there are so very few absolutes, not only in life, but in startup land or in growing a company. In everything, yeah. So it's, it's exactly holding it very lightly, yeah. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. All right, we have a question from the audience. Okay, interesting question. Whether you want to answer this directly or want to answer with how you would go about, you know, validating this or thinking about it, I'm going to ask him. It's from Adam at Response Rack. He says, I'm considering creating communities, for example, uh, in other words, a group on LinkedIn or Facebook outside and independent from my SaaS product. I think the industry would benefit from these groups. So LinkedIn group, Facebook group. Does that make sense versus limiting it to a community of my customers only? So I think I get what he's saying here. Let's say I ran an email service provider. I could start a group that was like the drip Facebook group and the drip, the drip user group on Facebook and LinkedIn, or I could start the email marketing Facebook and LinkedIn group. And so it's a specific question. I don't know if you have thoughts on it. I'm happy to weigh in, but this is perhaps once you do one of these things, you've made an assumption, right? How, how do you, how would you go about? I would rather go, I'd rather go with the way I think about those kind of issues because we have those in Melt too. And when Ewa, uh, Anda comes with, I think we should create this group. I, I came with, I think we should create a forum for our users to have a video about what they're doing and stuff like that, like this or like, the podcast you have and he and his response was what are your assumptions behind that so adam has a reason he has some assumption for creating those groups but and that's good if it's assumption it's good because assumption we need to test but if he's if he has decided or trying to decide which one is best he's trying to lock into something so my answer to adam would be could you test both could you make both and curate both and see which one converts best? Or what are your assumptions? Why are you assuming that you should do this? So me and Anders start, not every sentence, but a lot of sentences with, so you assume what? Or, oh, I am assuming that we could get more customers doing this, so I'm thinking we should do that. Just to keep that in mind all the time, because it's always those hidden assumptions that drive us into decision or turning 
assumptions into fact. And as soon as the facts, it's never going to change. We don't have to change it anymore. Yeah, I like that. I, I think of it as what is the goal that Adam's after? That's really what you've gotten to. Of Is the goal that you want more customers, then you're, you probably should think about doing it broadly, but realize that that may or may not work. And without trying it, it's pretty hard to know. Or here's another way, instead of trying it, could you go out and find a CRM application or just a separate SaaS app and go to MicroConf Connect, post in there, who has started a Facebook group? Did you start a users only group, a customers only, or did you start a broader one and see what other people's experiences have been right ahead of you? Not that it's mm. going to map 100%, but you can do research. There's two, you know, almost 2,100 founders in Connect. Certainly some other people have done this. Hey, this is Rob dropping in from a separate time and space to talk to you about Rewardful. Everyone knows it's hard to grow an online business, especially in the early days. People are becoming desensitized to content marketing and paid advertisements. Instead, they're turning to product recommendations from people they trust. So how do you cut through the noise and grow through word of mouth? This is where Rewardful comes in. Rewardful has everything you need to start referral marketing for your SaaS, membership, or e-commerce business. Reward your advocates whenever they send you paying customers. Rewardful is specifically built to work with Stripe and automatically handles one-time charges, free trials, upgrades, downgrades, cancellations, and refunds. They can even help you find and recruit relevant affiliates for your industry. Companies like Transistor, Podia, and Bear Metrics trust Rewardful to power their affiliate programs and scale with their growth. Spencer Fry from Podia says, every other affiliate platform we looked at was either insanely expensive or full of bugs, and sometimes both. Rewardful has been rock solid, it took less than 15 minutes to install. It's the perfect affiliate solution for SaaS companies using Stripe. So whether you're looking to start an affiliate program, partner program, customer referral program, or all the above, Rewardful lets you manage everything under one roof with a simple 15-minute integration. Get 30% off your first three months by heading to getrewardful.com slash startups. That's getrewardful.com slash startups. Offer expires May 31st. Pablo from bestie.care. He says, do you have a recommendation on how to identify unconscious assumptions? Oof, that's a tough one. What do you think about that? <laughs> yeah. So the first way you have an unconscious assumption or you're stuck, basically, is, is you know, to know your red flags, to know what does being stuck for you look like. My most, my easiest way to know I'm stuck is like I have something is pressing on my chest uh, when I think about uh, my bathroom or my sink. I did, it took me eight months to get a sink for my new bathroom because it was stuck. No, it's not. I knew which one I should buy. I knew where to buy. I knew everything. I had the money and I was stuck. And it was such an interesting experiment to understand the stuckness before I bought it instead of just forcing myself to be stuck. So we all have telltale times, signs of being stuck, of, of, of having made decisions out of assumptions and and basically all thing we have decided on is based on on assumptions there's very very little that are actual facts it's i don't like this you didn't like it 10 years ago you might like it now you might learn to like it i didn't like olive for many years but now i actually like them because i've trained myself for that so it's more a general way of being in in the world where you you just expect that you have assumptions you've made into facts and you hold them, as you said, very, very fine. You just hold everything lightly. Just be curious. Just be so much more curious. Is this, a, a, is this really a fact? 
or is it an assumption I've turned into a fact? And you've got the easiest way is to start to listening to other people because people are talking about facts all the time that are like, no, I don't think. And it, it, you can see other people's blind spots pretty easily, it always seems. Here's a comment from Justin Jackson. I'm curious if you agree, disagree, or otherwise. He said, I think our biggest blind spots are a result of not having a diverse set of peers who question your assumptions. What do you think about that? I've, I've come to believe that our blind spots are always uh, driven by shame. So hmm. we are shame about something, we betray our values, and that betrayal needs a justification and the justification makes us blind because we start to convert uh, assumptions into fact. No, nobody likes blue buttons. We have to do them green. And you just become blind to more and more stuff. And it's something that builds up over time. So you can, you practice either being blind or you practice to see, and uh, you practice to follow your values, uh, your ethic and moral and never betray yourself, or you practice trying to keep your shame away, hide your shame and, and not be vulnerable. And, and that makes you blind. So it's more a question of, are you busy? Are you cognitive busy trying to hide something? And then you stop being able to see, or are you not trying to hide anything and just be who you are and see what happens? Got it. And so how this whole line of thinking of getting unstuck, not having blind spots, learning faster, because if you have blind spots, you're going to slow your own learning down because you're hiding things or you're not making, you're not questioning assumptions. It sounds like you have quite a bit of knowledge and quite a bit of learning on that. How are you applying that to melt? Like how has that manifested? Do you have maybe an example or just some example that maybe shows us how, how you're doing better with melt than, than taking two, three years with time block to learn things? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting question. First of all, we've tried uh, a lot of things that we wouldn't have tried, and we've, I've started building things where, and I said, what are you assuming? And I realized that I shouldn't build it. So there's a lot of hours not spent on stuff because he keeps asking that question. And we keep going back to, we have a tool that's working now, let's learn more about acquiring customers, getting customers, because that's the most important thing right now. And let's focus on learning faster and not building anything. And we've been at it for a very short time. And when we apply all these learning faster tools, we grow 20% a week. And when life catches up and we don't do what we have to do, cold outreach, we grow less. But so it's very easy to measure that our growth halts whenever we have other stuff to do and it accelerates when we actually are trying new stuff, uh, writing new emails, changing the script all the time. Got it. And how is Melt going so far? Like any anything you can share with us in terms of uptake? I don't know if you want to share revenue or users or just... We have a totally open business. So we have, at the last count, we had 19 paying users uh, doing a little under $100 a month, planting a little under 100 trees a month. And we have a, we are going to have an open page with all the stats and stuff uh, on, and we are growing ten to twenty percent a week when we both uh, put the time into growing and doing outreach and posting on Instagram, and we grow less. <laughs> I don't have the numbers for the less one when we are doing other stuff that isn't building an audience. So yeah. 
So it's still early days. Tell me about the product itself. If it's, it's very similar to let's say Linktree or the other link in bio tools, do you have a main differentiator aside from the fact that you plant trees, which is a very cool differentiator, I'll admit. No, right? no, that's, that's the main one. Yeah. So the layout is different. We have some image link that side scrolls instead of, of up and down, but the main differentiator, the one that Linktree can copy is the tree. It's hard to copy that. It's easy to copy functionality. But we are looking into expanding into building some CMS system into it and looking on how can we connect uh, advertisers and, and influencers and stuff like that. And doing to do that, I, I interview a lot of people on, on Instagram, a lot of influencers. And that's also just trying to learn, is there a hole in the market? What are they? What am I? What are we missing? What is missing out there? I'm trying to understand that. Um, right. trying to learn that fast. Makes sense. How do you handle the tree planting? And is the company, like even at scale, let's say you had 10,000 people using it, are, are you profitable given the cost of planting the trees? Not now. <laughs> well, yeah. now because we don't take a salary, but it, it's 10% of the profit that goes to the tree planting. And since mm. both me and Anda live in small apartments, we, we don't need a big salary. So it, it'll be profitable at around 500 paying users uh, and nice. pay Anders' um, salary. And I have a real job. <laughs> uh, I merged my consultancy into a larger company. So I have a, I'm a business unit manager four days a week and use the fifth on, on this and the weekends. Uh, so I don't need to have a, get a salary out of it ever. I can just keep on helping on the side. Okay. So around 500 users, we're profitable and uh, the rest is, is just uh, a bonus. Very cool. So another question here, someone listening might be thinking to themselves, like I might have false assumptions. What can you say to them to help them learn to recognize or unearth false assumptions in themselves? Because as we've said, they're blind spots. And so by definition, they're pretty hard to, they're pretty hard to find, not impossible, but hard. No, but it's, you start by looking at what you're stuck at. Is it ironing your shirt? Is it losing weight? Is it uh, taking, doing the dishes? Whatever it is, you're stuck at something. Most people are stuck at something. And then you get curious about how that feels. Besides, it sucks because it does being stuck. And then you start, if you try to understand the energy shift, and you can just feel the energy shifting when you're getting close to something where you're stuck. And when you practice, and this takes practice, as I say to my coaching client, this is a practice, not a pill. But if you practice that, you start noticing very early when you're starting to get stuck. And for me, it's that, you know, pressure at the chest. I, when I get that, I'm like, okay, where I'm stuck, what I'm stuck in. When I talk to Ander, I can feel the resistance in me. When he asks me about something where I'm stuck, where I'm blind, when he asks questions and I want to go into defense, right? have resistance against what you're saying. Oh, that's not how it is. I'm like, oh, something here is going on. And that's just trying to stop yourself every time you feel that resistance rise up and you feel the, the need to defend something, need to justify something. There's a, there's a high probability that you're blind to something. And there's a balance here, right? There's a comment from Chris Willow in the MicroConf on air chat. And he says, I feel like on the other end of the spectrum, it's switching for instead of, of questioning assumptions all the time and not sticking with assumptions. But on the other end of the spectrum, it's switching from one thing to the other and never really committing fully to an idea. 
Mm-hmm. Do you agree mm-hmm. with that? Yeah, so it's a balance, yeah. But if you start to look at it as assumptions, you also start to decide, I'm going to try this one and test this one. And then you're testing it and do 100 emails and see how they go. Instead of deciding this is the way to do, this is the way, and then you're just pumping out emails and losing a lot of of traction. It's a balance, but it's a balance about testing. It's about how do you set up testing? Could you ask in the Slack channel? Could you ask in in MicroConf Connect? Could you ask somewhere other people, what are their thoughts? Could you actually do something as crazy as calling a user? Just ask them. But if you've decided, there's no reason to ask them. And then the next thing is that it's really hard calling users. So your justification will go, no, you don't need to do that. This is going to work. <laughs> and then you're not going to, then you could, that helps you turn it into a decision and a fact instead of being an assumption. Right. That makes sense. All right. Producer Xander is. I'm checking out the outline here. Let's see. We are wrapping up in two minutes, but do you have any parting words for someone who maybe is in the spot of they're in the early days and they have a hypothesis and they've maybe written some code or some no code and they've, they have a few early users, but no real traction. They don't think they have product market fit, but they have an assumption that what their idea is going to solve a problem for a group of people. Like, they're probably stuck in indecision because that's the problem in the early days is you, a lot of, <laughs> there's some people who go in and say this, like you did with time block, this is going to work, this is going to work, this is going to work. And then there's other people who are like, I don't think this is going to work. So I don't really want to invest a bunch of time into it. But if, if someone's more in that boat where they almost can't get enough confidence in any of their ideas, they have 20 ideas in a notebook and they are like, I just, I don't really know. And they're waffling. They're not committing. What maybe be some closing thoughts for how those people can get over their own? Because they're stuck in a different way. They're stuck <laughs> about just picking something. So what, what are your thoughts for them? Well, basically it's the being stuck is being stuck. It's, it's, it's not stuck in a different way. It just look different uh, and, and test one of them. Spend one week on one of them and then spend another week on another one of them. And if you have 20 ideas, spend 20 weeks. That's nothing mm-hmm. compared to a lifetime. And, but don't, don't spend any more. Don't try to decide. Just spend some time on each of, uh, one of them or ten, just 10 at a time and see what works. But if you're trying to decide, the, the chances are when you go from the indecision, you go into a really big decision, right? You're really going to choose something and say, this is the way. And then you can't, you, then you spend a thousand hours and too many money on time block because you decided this is the way everybody has to learn this. And then right. when people agree with you, then you're really getting stuck in that decision because other people, yeah. other people want to validate your decisions. My, my father was sick and demented. And when I asked him, Did, have you eaten anything? He said, yes. And I was like, no, you haven't. You just say yes, because it's the right thing to say. So people really want to validate your ideas and your decisions. Very good, sir. Thanks so much for joining me today. Your um, Twitter handle, they can see it under your shine, smiling face right now, Anders2. It's Anders, T-H-U-E. And of course, melt.co, M-A-E-L-T.co. Thanks so much for joining me today. Yes. Thank you. All right. And thank you to Rewardful. Rewardful sponsoring this show. Today's episode is brought to you by Rewardful. Rewardful is quickly becoming the go-to platform to set up affiliate, referral, and partner programs for your SaaS membership or subscription business. 
Rewardful handles all subscription billing scenarios such as free trials, upgrades, downgrades, cancellations, refunds, and yes, prorated charges out of the box with their simple 15-minute setup. They're the only platform that has a built-in affiliate finder that crawls the web and surfaces high-quality, relevant affiliates for your program. Simply search by keyword, competitor, or alternative names and reach out to the best affiliates in your market to take your program to the next level. Check them out at getrewardful.com slash startups. That's getrewardful.com slash startups and get 30% off your first three months. Offer expires May 31st. Thanks again to Rewardful. MicroConf Europe is coming up in October. Save the dates, October 3rd through 5th. And as always, thank you for joining me today. Been a pleasure. I'll see you again in two weeks. Thanks to Hay and Stripe as well as we peace out. Two weeks, same time, same place.